Welcome, Oncers. You have discovered the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast. This is an unofficial podcast dedicated to the hit ABC TV show, Once Upon a Time. And now, here are your hosts, Jeff and Colleen Roney. Hello. Hello there. Hi. We are here. We are indeed. We just watched the episode entitled Best Laid Plans. Yes, we did. And it was different. It was but it answered some questions and validated some incredible theories that we had. Yes. So again, this is our first thoughts for the episode entitled Best Laid Plans. Mm-hmm. And this is episode, this is podcast episode 271. The show notes can be found at onceuponatimepodcast.com slash 271. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I and I won't directly talk about the promo for the next episode, but wow, we're <laughs> we're in for we're in for some ride for we sure. Are definitely in for a ride. This was a sad episode. It was. But it really, I think, brought a lot of things to the surface about raising children and hopes for children that you are raising, what you would do, and that kind of a thing. So I don't necessarily want to go through the entire episode and do a recap, but I do want to talk about... So let's first of all let's talk about the vision mm-hmm. that was in a unicorn, and the first thing I thought about when I saw the unicorn is, wait a minute, Maleficent had a black unicorn. She did. So, but in this episode, we saw a white unicorn, mm-hmm. and according to Snow, if you touch the horn on mm-hmm. the unicorn, mm-hmm. that you will see a glimpse of your child's future. Again, more rules and different things I never knew before. So, but she also fed the unicorn with an apple, which I thought she was She did a green apple. A green apple. Horses love apples. Mhm. Green, red, they don't care. They love apples. Yes, indeed. And what I thought was interesting is this was another situation that reminded me of in Star Wars the the tree cave, they call it. Mhm. Is you you face your fear in this cave. And so we've seen that in Once Upon a Time a couple of a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And so when Charming touched the horn, she saw... He saw... I'm sorry. He saw the baby Emma in a basket, mm-hmm. which there's a number of stories and characters that have appeared in baskets, including Zelina. Zelina. And... The baby Emma had the Emma blanket. It was actually a different blanket. Okay. It was a totally different blanket. Right. Just letting you know. Beautiful blanket. Gorgeous. And the basket was beautifully decorated. I actually really enjoyed that a lot. But yeah, it was an interesting vision of Emma and her little basket. But it was... Innocent white clad. Mm -hmm. She was wearing white, all white. And, you know, that's purity. So... It was positive. A yes, positive but, vision. Absolutely. White is the color of purity. So that yeah. was where he got the idea that, hey, she's already, you know, she's going to be pure. So woohoo. And that's what he started to tell Snow. Snow. 
Say, we're, it's, she's going to be fine. She's going to be fine. She'll be totally fine. And then Snow touched the horn on the unicorn, and her vision was completely different. Complete opposite. We saw the wonderful young actress, Abby Ross, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. called in earlier, a few episodes ago, to our voicemail line. Yes. She did a fantastic job playing in the vision of Emma in mm-hmm. Snow's vision, and... She yanked the heart out of Snow, mm-hmm. and Snow told her, "I'm your mother." She, that's yeah. She said this, which was mirrored later, right? But it was, but I'm your mother, mm-hmm. and she says, "I don't care," right. and that's when she crushed the heart, crushed her heart. Mm-hmm. And so we see that even a vision can be different viewed by two different people. Sure. And so we don't really know why. Maybe Charming had more hope. Snow had mentioned that the darkness in her heart that we've seen, because we've seen her heart before, Mm -hmm. and she said it started long before when... When Regina showed it to her after she killed Cora. Mm -hmm. And she brought that up. And my money says that it started with the whole plot... And the point of trying to make sure her daughter was going to be good and not evil. Right. Just the whole deceiving and doing something illicit, so to speak, to make sure that her child would not grow up dark was quite uh, quite interesting. I, I w- now, here was some, here's a little – I'm going to just throw this out there because it's a little tiny bit of a plot hole teeny tiny little bit of a plot hole back in season one when snow was down visiting rumple in the prison and he said i need the name of your child and she said emma and he charming said no it's going to be a boy right no it was never going to be a boy and he knew that because he saw the vision of her in a basket right but he was lying to rumple just to maybe not maybe that's what it was absolutely Definitely, because he didn't want Rumpel to know too much, because he knew that he was... I'll grant you that. I'll grant you that, because otherwise that would be a massively huge plot hole. But anyway. No, he he was leery about... Well, first of all, they said, don't Don't look at him. Yeah. Yeah, Don't don't trust him. And so... Yeah, we don't need to go in that whole point. But I was just saying, that was interesting, because I'm like, whoa, that's a little bit of a plot hole, but it's not. All right, that's fine. So moving on. So what I... What I also wanted to talk about, first of all, I want to say this. We're not hating on David and Mary Margaret. We're not no. hating on the Charmings. We're no, not, we're not, not doing that. Not at all. But we are talking about where we are right now with the show mm-hmm. and the characters in the show. Right. So parents paint this picture that they are perfect. And we're seeing more and more that the the charmings are not perfect right and we're seeing more and more that actually heroes have can have a dark past mm-hmm. we've seen that evil characters can go on a road to redemption and be good or better mm-hmm. and so why not turn the tables and show some some folks that we know as snow white Right. Prince Charming, and go back in time and see, actually, 
they're not as snow white or charming as we have mm-hmm. seen them. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we are. So that's what we're going to be discussing. I just don't want anyone to think, oh, well, now you hate. No, we don't. Not hate at all. Them at all. <laughs> not so, at all. But here's the thing. Let's talk about we don't have kids, but I understand the when you talk about mama bear and all this kind of thing, a mother will protect their child or children mm-hmm. at all costs. Sure. I mean, sure. you hear stories about mothers lifting cars off of children and superhuman strength. They will protect their kids at all costs. That is true. And we see that here with the idea that she will be a hero and then this idea is hatched, told to her that, well, Emma actually could be full of darkness or she could be full of light and goodness. So that would probably cause her to stay awake at night. I'm going to actually disagree a little tiny bit here. I don't see her as protecting her child like a mom bear would for, you know, when a child is in danger. I think this is more of... I have a vision of what I want my child to be. I want my child's future to be X, Y, Z. And I know a lot of parents who have that vision for their kids. They want their kids. I mean, no parent goes around and goes, you know, I really hope my kid grows up and ends up in jail. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm not done yet, but okay. But all I'm saying is, is that in this case, it wasn't that Snow was protecting her from dark. She was ensuring it. It was trying to take away any possible doubt so that it was kind of like... Taking away Emma's choice. Putting her in a bubble as well. Well, yeah, that too. And so. again, there. look, I love my sister's kids as if they were my own, and I would do anything to protect them. But I'm also realistic enough to understand that they're going to make choices that I'm not always going to agree with, and I kind of have to let them do that. Number one, I'm not their mom. But right. secondly, even if I were, I would still, it would be very, very, very difficult to just sit back and watch them, I would have to say something. And I believe me, I do say something when it's, you know, the kid's future that's at stake. But at the same time, I want them to make the choice themselves. I don't want to plan their future for them. That's but, where I'm going with this. But basically, what they did is they sat down with the apprentice and they said, How, can we stop this darkness? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, yes. And that's kind of... It's sort of like we've known people that try and keep germs away from the kids and and over antiseptize the world and the house and everything. They made a whole movie about it, Bubble Boy. Right. And and so, but sometimes there's a time that you teach the children and there's a time that you have to let them go into the world and hopefully all the things that you've taught them Hopefully they will take to heart and right. and move in that way. But right. most of the time they will not. They will learn the hard way. But this was we want to remove any potential mm-hmm. for darkness from Emma's life. Right. And so the minute that came up, I said, well, it's going to have to go in, into somebody else then. I mean, you can't. Does that remind you of anything? No. What does it remind you of? The black candle. Right. The two-sided candle. Mm -hmm. The one that killed Cora. Yes. I mean, Snow didn't realize that was going to happen. 
Well, actually, this was, that's why it was probably so easy for her to use the black candle on Cora earlier. Or later, I should say. Right? So w- what was interesting is there was a couple of lines that Charming had said. He said, there, there were times that I was really heartbroken at what they did. And mm-hmm. I, I do want to say this. The Apprentice held back important information. That yeah, did. Because they did not know that they were going to send that child with that darkness through a portal. And I believe it sent them to either Boston or somewhere. Land without magic. Land without magic. And they didn't know that. And so and this it was mentioned in the episode. So they can't be held liable for that, for lack of a better term. They didn't know that. They understood. They made a lot of assumptions and didn't ask questions. Right. And so the that I mean there was a lot of heartbreaking things, but I think toward the end I saw the snow that I remember, and she said, "We're lying again. We're lying to Henry. We're lying to everybody, and right. we're supposed to be heroes." And even in the flashback, she said, "We're not heroes anymore." Right. The, right. This we've gone way too far. Right. We to protect our child. We we sent any. Pro- potential of darkness into some other innocent child mm-hmm. and now that child has been sent through a portal who knows where mm-hmm. away from the child's mother mm-hmm. and and then charming said no i think even we can be redeemed even we can spread hope and faith and be the better better people now right so i mean that was an interesting turn after everything that they did. So I, I just, there was still a glimmer of the snow and the charming we know toward the end of the episode, sure. but it's a, it's a long road. And after they finally told the truth to Emma, Emma reacted as I, and I think a lot of people thought she would. Mm-hmm. and just said, I don't trust you. I, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I, you know, and then the old, I, but I'm your mother. I don't care. And she said that in the present day, like you said. Right. So. She, it was a mirror of, of exactly what had happened, what her vision was. So the funny thing is, is that even though they sent the potential into this other innocent child, they still, and it still came true. Exactly what Snow envisioned happened. Right. She didn't physically rip her heart out and crush it in front of her. But by saying, I don't care, and walking out the door and not wanting to talk to her, it was the same same principle. So, I mean, it did come true. I did write this down, too, that the touching of the unicorn's horn to get information was very Rumpel-esque-like. Mm-hmm. It was sort of using magic to kind of whatever. Yeah. And if they hadn't of, I don't know that they would have done all the things that uh, they they did. Maybe, yeah, maybe not. Maybe. Don't so, know. Don't know. All right. So we now know that the child of Maleficent that was born in the land without magic mm-hmm. was named Lily. Yeah. Lilith, which and, by the way, as one of our mm-hmm. listeners pointed out a couple of episodes ago, Lilith means darkness. 
Lily means light. Mm-hmm. So he said, we're going to name her Lilith. We're going to call her Lily. Yeah. That in and of itself right there shows dual nature. Everything kind of hinges on what was said with the apprentice. When the apprentice told them, look, everyone is born basically with a clean slate. Yes. So if you look up the theory of clean slate, it's basically tabula rasa. Which, by the way, is a lovely, lovely reference to Lost because there was actually an episode towards one of the later seasons called Tabula Rasa. And it's this whole idea that everyone has a blank slate when you're born and nature versus nurture is what fills it up and you make a choice on which direction you're going to go. And the information you are fed, the data that you are fed on that blank slate is what drives your direction in life. So this is exactly what my theory was. Well, we'll get into that a little bit. But mm-hmm. but it is, again, it, it feeds very nicely to my original theory about the author and who's writing the book, etc. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. Um, so the next it, thing you were Yeah, Emma about. said something very interesting. Killian was very concerned. They were all very concerned about her oh, yeah. after after the revelation of the truth. And Killian said, "Listen, I'm worried about you mm-hmm. because he was telling uh, he was telling Emma about Gold's plan. Mm-hmm. He said he wants to fill your heart with darkness, and right. he was still concerned because of the last time he talked to her about it. Mm-hmm. He said it's easy, it's easy to go there. Right? And she said, no one decides who I am. Right? No author, no darkness, no gold. I decide who I am. Right." And so hopefully that will be something that she can come back to later on. And but, that is exactly what I've been saying yeah. all along. Uh, Maleficence did a, um, performed a sleeping spell like she, she did. did in Sleeping Beauty mm-hmm. and knocked out the whole town. Correct. Little, did, little for, did we know right. that there was a... Well, there's always a caveat. Yeah. If you've been under a sleeping curse before, clearly you're immune to it. So it is kind of like chicken pox and all that stuff. <laughs> Measles and that right. sort of thing. Yeah, once you've once you although, you know, anyway. So we we I saw a mysterious tweet from somewhere. Okay. And and the tweet was a while back it said when the author is revealed you will have seen him before, and it'll be a fun thing. And so I didn't say anything. Okay. But And now we've seen him, and now we know well, who he is. Who the current author the is. The current author, the mysterious Which, by the way, peddler. when I saw the peddler, I'm thinking to myself, there's no way that's just a coincidence. My money right. says that is the author. My money says that's the author. He's disguised himself as a peddler, which actually is a nice little page from the Wizard of Oz book. The Wizard of Oz was basically a peddler. Peddler, yeah. Yeah. So you have these these guys making, you know, that seem so, you know, ordinary and innocent, and they're actually not. So the peddler, again, influenced them to not go towards where Maleficent was, but rather to go the other direction and go to the Infinite Forest and find the guy in the cabin. Yeah. Convenient. Right. Who then was able to give them information to help them make the decision to take all of Emma's, you know, darkness and 
put it into the into some other vessel. Well, let's go there then. Yeah. So August had a fantastic little monologue description. Oh yeah. About this author, mm-hmm. and it's it's in my top five. I think. There was another one he did that's in my top five. I love Jefferson's discussion about stories and mm-hmm. the reality. Yeah. But this one was really great. He said that from the beginning of time, from cave paintings and around the fire, and these authors recorded these stories. Yes. They're very important. And the most incredible tip of the hat from Adam and Eddie is even someone named Walt. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, and I love the fact that that exactly justifies and and proves my point that I had my theory a while back, which is that you you write your own story. The author's supposed to just record it. Right. The difference with this author, and that was what August told us, is that this one felt like manipulating the story a little more. We influenced instead of recorded. Exactly. And that is exactly what happened with Snow and Charming. He influenced them to go and do the thing that they really may not have even done if they had just kind of gone on their way and, and minded their own business, basically. So right? It would have been a very different story if they had not listened to him, if they had gone on ahead and not gone to see The Apprentice, not gone on to see anything. So again, it comes back to what I've said before. The author, there is no author. There's no person that is the author. It is many authors, and they have been simply there to record. It's a job. That's what August right. said. It's an, it's a it's an occupation. It's not who they are. They just have been, and they've been chosen by the sorcerer and the apprentice to be the author. And this one was a mistake on their part. Yeah. That'll be an interesting story to see how that kind of plays itself out, if you ask me. Well, it almost seems like the apprentice and the author are being manipulated themselves. Or or the Possibly. apprentice just knows all this information because when they went to his house, he said, "Oh yeah, well, I know that you're at a loss for your child, and right. you right. you know you have concerns." Right. And I think so. he's able to see it just because okay. he's able to see things. You know, Rumpel's not the only one who has the ability to see things. I'm pretty sure that the apprentice has the ability to see what's going on. He may have spies, quote unquote. I mean, Zelina had spies for heaven's sake in all the realms, so it's not like you know. Anyway, so it, it just again it. Thank you. Yes, I right. I was right. I was absolutely. You're right. You're writer than me. I'm I'm I not right, right all that because you know, everybody has the ability to write their own story. Everybody has the potential for both light and dark, and whether you choose to use either one or go either way is entirely up to you and your your whole thing. I mean, even let's let's put it this way, Emma didn't stay pure 100% either. Even with all the stuff that Charming and Snow did of pushing the potential for her darkness out, that's all they did. That doesn't push the darkness out. That doesn't prevent the darkness from coming in. It All it did was push the potential. So her potential just got diminished. But she still managed, even even without that, she still managed to have some darkness in her. Case in point, she lied to Henry a number of times. Right. 
she lied to him about his dad at first. She lied to him about his dad after they came back from the curse and he still didn't remember. True. She lied about that. She claimed that she wasn't still in love with him, even though she was. I mean, she lied to a bunch of people about him. So Emma had the darkness in her. Mm-hmm. Emma grew up in an unfortunate circumstance and as a result, stole cars, stole things for a living. That's not exactly light. Right. So the funny thing is, is that all that stuff that Snow and Charming did was pretty much kind of futile. She still made her own choices. Right. Yeah. True. True. Now, if she had stayed in the Enchanted Forest, would that have been a different story? I think it would have been. I think it would have been a whole different story. And I think she would have been, you know, maybe more pure than that. So what you're saying is the... Environment. The decision... Oh, that's another thing with the uh, the blank slate is nature uh, versus, versus nurture. nurture, right? But the the decision to send her through the tree, mm-hmm. through the wardrobe, yeah. and into the land without magic, yeah, that may have reset that whole possibly thing, possibly of the the potential for darkness. Well, when and you all think that. about it, we didn't know it at the time, but the child that did get the potential, all the potential for darkness, right, was already in the land without magic, right. So, right. yeah, it's gonna be real interesting to see how this pans out. Really interesting to see how it pans out. But um, going back to the whole clean slate, Tabula Rasa. Like I said, nice lost connection. The other piece of this that was a nice little lost connection. Two of the main characters in Lost, well, a main character and a secondary character in Lost, were named after the philosophers that were very integral into mm-hmm. the development of Tabula Rasa, right. which is John Locke. He was one of the main characters, for those that don't know Lost. And the other one was uh, Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Right. And there was a character named Rousseau. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm, I love these Lost shout-outs. I know a lot of people... May not, but so, sorry, we'd love it. So the door page yeah. was alive, basically, and it was very smart to remove that door page. Yeah. Because it became alive and it became to communicate. It started to communicate with Henry. Yes, that was pretty and cool. And show him where the key was uh-huh, to uh-huh. open the door. Yeah. Now, my thing is this. If, if he was so dangerous mm-hmm. that they trapped him yeah. in this page yeah. in behind this door, mm-hmm. I would have made that key hard to find somewhere else. And it was magically everyone's being drawn to this mansion. So this mansion is very right. the important. Home. Right. So anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting. Henry Daniel Mills. Yes. I've mentioned it before. I don't know if you're, it's the same situation with you. When I was in trouble, I mm-hmm. heard my full name. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Full name. And that's yep. exactly what we heard tonight. Mm-hmm. And Daniel's his middle name, it, it appears. Which is fantastic. So. And I love that she named him after what would have been her husband. So we did see that. Regina tried to pull the old switcheroo and give the forged page. Yes, that well, Emma Emma created. I thought it was fantastic that Regina was so smart to actually just take a picture of it first. Yes, and claim that she couldn't get it away. That did unfortunately raise Rumpel's suspicions, 
But I thought it was really cool that she was able to kind of like at least bide, you know, a little bit of time so that they didn't have to, you know, go immediately attack the, the heroes and Henry. And I love the fact that she was able to communicate with Henry just with a look and Henry knew it. That that's that was pretty cool. I want to talk about the scene. There's some great moments in this. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm still trying to kind of sift through it all. There's really a lot to really think about and talk about. Yeah, yeah. The the one, another scene I really wanted to just mention briefly is that the one in front of Gold Shop when he realized that that page was not right. Oh, yeah. And he put Regina to sleep. Yeah. If that was Laura, uh, Lana Perea falling down. Mm Mm-hmm. That was a hard fall. Yeah. That must have been... Uh, if they, She did her own stunt for that. That was tough. Anyway, yeah. it just that was a hard fall. I love I the whole thing. What Lana. are you doing here? None of your business. By the way, yeah. <laughs> what's going on? It's a fake. Blah, 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 blah. You should know, Virginia. You've seen the book more than anybody else. Wow. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. I wanted to talk just briefly about the gold <clears throat> uh, discussion with the Sleeping Bell. Mm-hmm. And he found her and put her on the, it's like a little futon couch. or seti yeah, or something. Mm-hmm. And he confessed again. Yeah. Unfortunately, he has difficulty confessing to Belle when, when she's, she's awake. awake. Exactly. <laughs> and it seems so. to always happen when she is asleep and he always gets interrupted. Because didn't he get interrupted last time too? Yeah. Pretty sure he did. Yeah. Yes, indeed. I'm waiting for Belle to be fake asleep. Yeah, Belle. Yeah. One of these days, he's going to confess something, and she's going to not be asleep. He's going to think she is, and yeah. So I touched on it before, but I'm here in my notes now, and I kind of want to go through it again. Sure. Is that the when... David and Mary Margaret, they keep calling them that, so I'm going to call them that. Yeah. In the discussion about where they are. And they said, we made a terrible mistake. We made a terrible mistake. All these lies. And and Snow said, more lies. You're lying to Henry. Yeah. You're not telling him the truth. You're making him give you the key and all this stuff. And she said, Regina kept my secret. Yeah. Yeah. She's a more honest and trustworthy than us. Yep. This is crazy. Yeah. That was a great scene. And by the way, David demanding the page and the key yeah. from Henry right. was so tough to watch mm-hmm. because we know how much he loves Henry. We know how much he loves his daughter and his grandson. And for him to have to yell at Henry like that. And you know, Henry was like going, something isn't right. But he knew that he had to hand it over anyway. But wow, that's just that was that was a crazy scene. But I agree with you. I was I was so proud of Snow for recognizing that you know what? I screwed up so badly by telling a secret I wasn't supposed to. I asked Regina, I entrusted her with our secret to help with Emma, and she has been amazing and has kept it and you know, we've we've failed. And I do love the fact that she recognizes the humanity that they that they all have because, you know, it's so easy to look at a fairy tale character. Right. And specifically, you know, a princess like a Snow White or Cinderella or Rapunzel or any one of Sleeping Beauty, any one of them, and think they're perfect. And I love that the show says, 
yeah, we're going to poke some holes in that theory. There, there's no perfection anywhere. And there's no pure evil. There's no per- Everybody has a choice. Right. It's all about choices, man. Yeah. I, I loved when she told, uh, when Mary Margaret told David, we have to tell Emma the truth. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I loved later on when they had the little scene in Mary Margaret's apartment. August is there. Mm-hmm. And... August said to Emma, are you okay? She goes, yeah. And he goes, well, I can tell you're lying. Yeah, I know lying. I know lying. And you're and, not okay. And for the first time, somebody's superpower was really working well. Yeah. And he, he, could, see, he could see right through it. And we saw another little glimpse of the unicorn mobile. Yeah. When the flashback is snow just said get that out of here i don't want that poor sneezy poor sneezy yeah it was nice to see sneezy it was but it was poor sneezy he got the brunt of snow's you know guilt you know anger fueled guilt that's or guilt fueled anger is what it was actually so yeah that was really kind of and i do love the fact that towards the end they they both realize you know no this is a good reminder of where we what we did so that we don't do it again life is about markers and there's all kind of markers that people use like when you you know some people use markers of photos of photos of us when we weigh a certain weight you know and we use that as a marker or we use maybe a note or or something to remind us of some things like i don't (laughs) want to do that again or i want to be better than this or something so that was a, a nice reminder with that so let's let's talk about the the scene when they went down to Maleficent's, for lack of a better term, lair. Oh man! And they knocked out at that point. It was before Ursula had, had gone. It was, right. so it was a flashback. Right. And they knocked out Ursula and, and Cruella guarding yeah. Yeah. the opening. Yep. And they when I saw. When I saw where the egg was, I said, "Man, that's that's being guarded." You know, I, it, maybe I thought, it looked like stones con- or something, but I said, eh, "Oh man!" Isn't it convenient that the stones look like a dragon's tail? Yeah. And you know, the one thing that we really forget is that these characters, when we hear that a character is evil, we say, "Okay, well, they're the bad guy." Right. But what I really love about Once Upon a Time is they show the humanity or how these characters got to be how they are. Yeah. Whether whether we think we're good or whether we think we're not good, there there's a journey and a path. And Once Upon a Time shows us that. And so we see, and I wrote Mom Dash, or Maleficent Dash Mom. We've known her as so many things, right. you know, an evil right. character or a dragon or whatever. Yeah. But she's a mom, and just that conversation to Snow, mother to mother, mm-hmm. don't do this. Well, I thought it was interesting how Snow pretty much blackmailed her into coming back into human form. She said, "Don't, mm-hmm. don't breathe fire, or everything burns, including the egg." So Snow was willing to like just go, you know what? You try to kill us, we're going to make sure you kill your child too. And that brought Maleficent back to Earth, so to speak. Yeah. And that was re- seeing Maleficent 
very Madonna-like. And I know that sounds a little crazy, but I, I saw her as a innocent, sweet mother. Right, pleading. She, she looked beautiful. Yeah. I mean, her hair was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And the simplicity of her gown, it wasn't the stark, you know, angry horns of Maleficent. It was a softer, right. more innocent and, um, you know, for lack of a better term, Madonna, because we don't know who the father is. But more right. of that picture is what I got in my head. And, um, and, I, and my heart went out to her because, I mean, she had, you know, Snow had her child in her hands. And just, I mean, shocking. It was kind of shocking to see that whole, you know, like Snow, that side of Snow threatening, you know, a child. Realizing, but I think, I think because she laid the egg right. was part of the problem that I think... I, I threw snow for a loop that she wasn't expecting it to be an actual child. She was expecting it to be a monster. Yeah, I I don't want to go too deep with this, but just exactly what you're saying. It was easier to for snow to do what she did because it was an egg. Right. It wasn't a baby. And they didn't know what right. was inside. Right. 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 But then when the scene of the apprentice performing that ritual magic right, whatever right and we saw the arm come out of the child and the baby crying and the baby crying and now being sucked into the portal that's when it all really started coming down not only could because snow when she was leaving with the egg said I'll, I'll i'm gonna return it we just need it for you know we have to take care of something but you right. will get it back and she because she, she could, really believed that she was gonna bring it back right and and then you ask questions like, well, just because Maleficent's evil, why give all that potential for darkness to her daughter? What if her daughter has, you know what I mean? So there's right. all these different things, but it was a very, very heartbreaking scene for her to say, please don't. That's my child, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And. You know, kind of going back to what I was talking about before is, you know, moms really want the best for their kids, but at what cost? Right. You know, The Apprentice right. talked about the, the cost of magic. Gold talked about mm-hmm. the cost of magic. And I've, I've racked up a debt right. that I, I, I can't possibly pay. I can't possibly pay. And so I need to do this to get the author to basically Erase zero out yeah. my debt. Yeah, yeah. And... So there's a weight to all of these choices. And we've talked about choices forever on this podcast. And so the choice that Snow made to make sure Emma really had a great life with all the light in her life that she chose to give it all to Maleficent's child, Lily, Mm -hmm. and send Lily back separating her from her right, mother. Right. So. Along with, and this explains how Cruella and uh, Ursula ended up in New York. We always wondered how they got yeah, there. Yeah, right, right. So that Very explains good. how they yeah. got there. And that's but how here, they were here's the other thing. Remember how I said a couple of episodes ago, we were talking about, you know, what if it is, and what if the child actually got switched at birth kind of a thing? Mm-hmm. What if it was in the inner, inner womb switching of, 
because, you know, Lily has such dark hair and Emma's so blonde. And yet Maleficent's the blonde and Snow has the jet black hair. I'm wondering if because all the darkness that could have gone into Emma was moved out into Lily, mm. she ended up with the dark hair. Yeah, yeah. And then that was that's her potential for darkness. And Emma, because she ended up with all the light, she ended up getting, you know what I mean? So in a, in a sense, we saw that the potential was going into Lily, but that would have then turned Emma's hair light. You know what I mean? To to represent yeah. the the lightness in her. But Emma's hair is not 100% light, and neither is, you know, Lily's. Anyway, that that's just, I know it's a side little weird thing, but it just, metaphorically, it looks like it means something. It's significant to me. Anyway. I know we've jumped around a lot of places in this first thoughts, and it's our first thoughts, and so we're not really following any kind of direction. I wanted to kind of do it a little differently tonight, and so... Mm-hmm. I'm sorry if it's kind of hard to follow, but I did want to talk about a couple of things before we end uh, our first thoughts tonight. And the, the one thing is that Charming was talking about the unicorn. He goes, we need to take the long, hard path mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to redemption. Right. And sometimes the right thing to do is the long, hard path. It's true. The easier way is always the the cheater way. You cheat around and you kind of cut corners and all this. The 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 thing that's the hardest is usually the right thing to do, mm-hmm. and that's really what I kind of took away from that line. This always reminds me of um, butterflies. It sounds crazy, yeah, but it does. Yeah. A butterfly when it's when a, when the caterpillar spins its cocoon and it's inside the cocoon, it is going through an incredibly crazy and probably pretty painful process to become a butterfly. It's changing, it's metamorphosing, and that is an amazing thing. And when the butterfly has to come out of the cocoon, it struggles for hours to get out of it. It's not like a quick look, boop, here it is. The the butterfly struggles and struggles and struggles and struggles and pushes its way out of the cocoon. Yeah. And then when it does, it emerges strong Mm -hmm. and then it, it, you know, it has, it has to rest for a minute, but then it, once it, it has regained that energy, it's able to then get up and fly away. So to me, butterflies are miracles. When I, when I was a kid, we were watching, you know, this, this unfold and, you know, we wanted to help the butterflies out of the cocoons. And, you know, I remember our grade school teachers saying, no, 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 you can't help them out. But they need to be, no, they have to struggle. It makes them stronger. Mm-hmm. The struggle is what makes them stronger. If they have everything done for them, the butterfly that comes out will be so weak, it won't be able to take care of itself and it will die. And I'm thinking, this is kind of the whole point. You know, they took away, they tried to take away Emma's ability to get through something and become strong by doing this. And ironically, it still happened anyway because she did have to go through the wardrobe. She did have to struggle through and she did come out and emerge as this strong, beautiful butterfly. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they, if they understand or recognize that if they had just let things happen the way they were supposed to, what, how different would it have been? Don't yeah. know. I um, 
it was interesting that that Rumpel or uh, Gold gave Maleficent a, a little peek at Lily in her little yeah. rattle. Yeah, used it as a seeing stone yeah. or crystal ball or something, and showed her Lily yeah. being adopted, and she goes, "She's alive." Yeah. She's alive. And now she wants to find her. She's now on the same quest Rumpel was on. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see whether or not she's able to do that. I hope she is. And she's. I love the fact that she kind of ended it with, someone has to know her. And then we, we, know, we who know who knows, knows her. her. And what's interesting is, you know, will that, how is that going to come out? How is that going to come into play? It'll be, it'll be fascinating to see how that kind of happens. So I wanted to briefly talk about pain fades unless you feed it. Oh, yeah. Rumpel's Rumpel's little speech there. Yeah. And so that's part of part of life, I I guess, is that there is pain. And And what do you do with it? It's true. If you feed that pain, it will it'll continue to stay bright and strong. Anything, anything that has that is nourished is going to grow strong, right? Right. Plants, animals, people, you name it. If it's got a pulse, if it is something that is living, if it is something worth keeping around, if you want it to continue to stay around for a long time, you feed it, right? So he's absolutely right. Same thing with with love. Love can fade unless you feed it. Right, right. So pain will fade unless you feed it. And he told her, this may not be a meal you want you really want to have. And that was him saying, Look, I know that if I show this to you, you're gonna be in pain. It's going to be painful for you. The interesting thing about it though is that I don't think it was painful for her. I think it was actually a good thing. This was the boost she needed to see. It gave her hope. And like you know, Snow has always said, hope you know, hope is what you need. You need to have hope because that's how you, you you make it through. That's how you are a hero. That's how you win is through hope. Well, isn't it interesting that what she saw was a perfect view uh-huh. of her baby yeah. where the unicorn horn vision was more interpretation. Yeah. 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 So she yeah. got a clear, clear view. Right. Of her, of her child. But she was looking at a factual thing, whereas they were saying, hey, this gives you a glimpse into your child's future. Right, right. Well, glimpse based on what? You know? Well, glimpse is kind of like how, how Rumpelstiltskin sees things. He sees little glimpses of things, sure. not complete. Yeah. But, yeah. So, the then at the end, we see the peddler... Mm-hmm. Who we saw earlier yep. have interaction with Snow and Charming on the road. Wasn't that convenient? Yes. The peddler mm-hmm. is at this point the, the current author. author. Right. And so Emma used the key yes. to open the door, let him, out. let him out, and he escaped. So this author that the bad guys and ladies mm-hmm. are looking for is now on the loose. Yes, he's on the loose. If he crosses the town line, what's going to happen to his memory? I mean, there's all these questions now. Well, and more importantly, why didn't Emma listen to August when he said that 
the Sorcerer and the Apprentice trapped him in there, in the book, for a really good reason, because he right. wasn't doing his job right. Right. Okie dokie. So how about instead of letting him out of it, <laughs> you go find the Sorcerer and the Apprentice? That would have been the better option. Right. We know what happened to the apprentice. Now what we have to figure out is how to get him out of the hat. Because mm-hmm. he's in the hat. Where's the sorcerer? Is the sorcerer trapped in the hat too? Yeah. Yeah. We don't know. Ugh. So Lots of my questions. thinking is, is that's what's going to have to happen next. Is they're going to have to find the sorcerer and or the apprentice in order to deal with the peddler. Yeah. Author. Impish devil that he is. Yes. And I think that's all. Yeah, there was a lot in this episode. Like I said, a lot of more in-depth. There were details and things, but I think there was more emotional and uh, meaty stuff, I think. It was a great episode. I enjoyed it quite a bit, actually. Yes, indeed. And with that... We end our episode. We do indeed. I want to send big love out to everyone. And big love is so big, you can't keep it all to yourself. Take what you need and pass on the rest to Mm -hmm. somebody else. Yes. And I want to thank everyone, however you found us, however you're listening to us. Mm -hmm. We've, We've gained a lot of new followers on Twitter and Facebook. Hello there. Thank you so much for following us and getting involved in what we do here. And I also want to thank those that go to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash support and choosing a way that you can support what we do here. And we really appreciate it so very much. We do indeed. And we need to make an announcement. Okay. So here's the announcement. I think the music's going to run out, but I will keep talking. All right. If you want to go to RegalCon... You have the wherewithal to get to Anaheim. Yes. We have one three-day general admission ticket Yes, that we will give to you. And Liz and Roxy have been so great that they are putting together RegalCon mm-hmm. that they've extended this ticket to us for a giveaway. Yes. So what we would like for you to do is send us an email. To feedback at onceuponatimepodcast.com. In the subject line, I would like you to put Regal Con Contest. Oh, yes. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And in that email, I need you to put, I'm interested, I want to enter the contest for the three day general admission ticket to and, Regal Con yeah. and your contact information sure. so that Correct. when you win we're going to put all the names in a randomizer and we're going to put numbers associated to them we're going to pick a number and that winner we will let you know right. however you want us to uh, contact you so please put all that information in there and we will get back to you and from what I understand, what I understand, all the tickets will be picked up at will call. Right. So, 
So we'll have you'll have to have your name and ID. So if you're planning to do this and win this for somebody else, you need to let us know who it's for if you if it's not for yourself. But hopefully it'll be for yourself. Point is is that we want to have somebody who's gonna who wants to be able to come to this and who can has the means to do so to come down here. We also have a short amount of time in which to do this. We really want to make sure we get this in so that we can make this announcement on our next show, which is the main show. Right. So this That's, is our first thoughts. Right. This is Sunday. So the next Saturday, when we record our main show, mm-hmm. that's when we're going to announce the winner yes. of this contest. Yes. Okay? So I think I think that's it. Email, contact mm-hmm. information. Let us know that in the subject line that it's a Regal Con right. contest for the ticket. Let us know that, and we and will. And we'll need your name. It. Yeah, when you give the details of your information, just to be really clear, make sure you give us your actual name because they're going to look at the ID to match the name and that, and they're not going to look at an email address. So make sure you give us your name and make sure your ID matches that name, so that when you're sending it in, you know, to win that information, we know who to put on the list, so to speak. Right, and we will be certainly glad to meet you. Yeah. At RegalCon, because yes. certainly we're going to be going and covering that we as indeed. well. So I, I want to thank Roxy and Liz for providing that ticket to us. And good luck to all. Exactly. Good luck to all. And thanks so much for listening. And until next time, this is Jeff and Colleen saying goodbye. And remember, get your emails in because we're gonna, we're going to announce the winner right this coming saturday we will indeed okay thanks so much guys and we'll talk to you soon thanks all right bye thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the once upon a time fan podcast this is a Rony's own media production our website is once upon a time podcast.com you can contact us by going to once upon a time podcast.com slash contact. You can also connect with us on social media by going to once upon a time podcast.com slash connect. If you enjoy what we do and would like to support us, we invite you to go to once upon a time podcast.com slash support. There's a number of ways that you can help us out, and we truly thank you for it. The Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast where you experience more of the magic of ABC TV's Once Upon a Time.